Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you this week to Cyber Church. Man, I tell you what, people all over the world are going to church with you. People all over the world are studying the Word of God with you. Praise God that we have ways to have fellowship, communion from all over the world. Now listen, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And you know, you may not have. You may be sitting there saying, man, I had a horrible Thanksgiving. I hate the holidays. I was depressed. It didn't go good. Well, you know something? I'm going to give you tools and resources this month that are going to help you overcome those kinds of emotions and feelings. As a matter of fact, just let me ask you the question. Would you like to live a life where when obstacles come, maybe your obstacles are holidays, maybe your obstacles are finances, maybe your obstacles are your spouse, your kids, or whatever, somebody else in life that's always bringing opposition. Well, you know, the Bible says an overcomer is someone who overcomes the opposition. So if you're interested in getting yourself to a place where you can always overcome the opposition, then you want to come back and join me in just a few minutes. If you didn't get the free download last month, be sure and get it this month, Experiencing Tomorrow's Miracle Today. Listen, I'm going to show you how to turn your hope into faith, and those things you're looking for tomorrow, you're going to have them today. All right, I'm going to talk to you about something today you're just not going to believe. I'm going to talk to you about time travel. You're like, time travel? Have you lost your mind? Have you joined a cult? <laughs> no. But you know what? Believe it or not, in a certain sense, Every single day, we time travel, but we do it in our minds. And you'll just stop and think about it. You know, we all think, I would like to go back to the past and change something. I'd like to go back to the past and make something different. Or I'd like to go to the future and know what my future is going to be. I'd like to know how things are going to come out. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, you can't literally time travel and go do those things, but really in a certain sense, you do it every single day, and it is actually directing the course of your life. And this is going to be one of the most important concepts you could ever, ever, ever realize. You see, we have had experiences in the past that have shaped the way we see ourselves, the way we see the world around us, the way we interpret data. And we pretty much memorize that because through our life experiences, basically, we have repetitively seen these things, repetitively experienced these things. And before long, on a subconscious level, we have come to believe this is just how things go. This is just how things happen. This is just what makes things work. So every day, we get up and as we face the day, we pretty much do the same things with the same people. We have the same conversations. You know, I heard one man, you know, put it this way. He says, you know, you get up in the morning, you think the same thoughts, you roll out of bed on the same side, you follow through the same sequence, you get up, you take a shower, whatever you do, you take your dog for a walk, you eat breakfast, you know, you sit down with your spouse for a few minutes, you drive to work, you get to work, you go to the same desk, you talk to the same people. In other words, we do these exact things day after day after day after day. And the point that the man was making that I was listening to talking about this is the fact that after we do this every single day, we basically 
wire ourselves emotionally, not only to repeat those same things, but to have the same emotional responses that we have every single day. And so every day we've trained our body, you know, to feel a certain way when we meet people, when we go to work. You know, I can remember one time I was in a really bad relationship and I wanted out of the relationship. You know, I was frustrated. I was angry. And I remember every time I would go see this person, when I got to the stop sign about two blocks from their house, I would get a headache every time I reached this stop sign. And, you know, I didn't think about it. I wasn't thinking about the conflict I was going to get into. I wasn't thinking about how bad it was going to be. Now, I did that the first few times that that happened, but eventually I didn't. But I still had a headache every time I moved through that stop sign because I had trained my body to have this experience based on repetitively doing something in my mind. It goes back to one of the most basic a psychological experiments that we've ever known about, and that's Pavlov's dogs. Now, if you studied Psych 101, just your basic training, or even just read some self-help books, you've probably heard about Pavlov's experiment with the dogs. And what he did is he took the dogs, and uh, he would ring a bell, and he would feed them. And after doing that a few times, you know, he would ring the bell and he would notice they would begin to salivate. They would begin to have these responses when they heard the bell because they were expecting, you know, this meat that was going to be there. So they would eat and they would have these experiences. Well, after a while, he would ring the bell without having any of the meat there. And the dogs would have the same physiological experiences that they would have had if the meat had been there. In other words, their mouth would begin to salivate just like it would when they saw and smelled that meat laying there. And very probably, if the research had been done, probably their same digestive enzymes would have kicked in. In other words, all the functions of their body, not just these surface functions, all the functions of their body change because in the past, they had had these experiences that had conditioned them that when you hear the bell, this is what your body is supposed to get ready for. This is really, really important. Your body is always getting ready for something based on the cues that you give it, not based on what's really going to happen, but based on maybe the self-talk, based on association. In other words, there's something similar about this person as a person you had conflict in, with in the past. And when you see this person, every time you see them, you just start having negative feelings. You can't figure out why. Well, it's because that person sets off a little memory of somebody from your past. And before long, your body is, well, actually instantaneously, your body starts having all the physiological reactions of your stomach tightening up in a notch, your jaw muscles tightening up a little bit. You start to feel angry and apprehensive. See, it is amazing what our body prepares for that never happens and actually has no basis whatsoever in reality. You know, if when I teach people about health, you know, this is where I teach people about the fight or flight mechanism. And the truth is, constantly throughout the day, our body prepares for conflict that does not exist. And so we never actually expend the energy to consume the adrenaline or the other hormones that have been released into our system. Therefore, we stay in this fight or flight mode and our body can't heal and all these kind of negative things happen. And so that's pretty phenomenal right now. Just learning how to live in peace uh, will change your health dramatically. But, but we want to kind of go beyond that. Now, 
if I go back and I remember something that happened in the past, and it may be just a thought, it may not even be a full thought. Like I said, it may be an association. But if I go back and based on something that has happened in the past, I have all of those same experiences, then the truth is I am reliving the past. I have traveled back to the past. And not only have I traveled back to the past, I have brought the past into the present. Now, the sad thing is we do this all the time. We do this every day. We do it many times a day. But we have so trained ourselves to only do this around things we fear, around negative experiences. We have become addicted physiologically and emotionally to these past experiences. And we go back and visit them every day. So the real truth is every day we time travel. We travel back in time and recreate experiences based on things that happened yesterday. And then we relate to what's in front of us. We relate to the very present opportunities that are around us with the negative emotions, negative feelings, negative destructive thoughts that we had in the past. Now, in what I call the heart physics parable, if you don't know anything about heart physics, you need to go to heartphysics.com and check it out because I'm going to tell you, this is a heart physics is a life renovation tool based on the teachings of Jesus, really based on the teachings of the entire Word of God about how to influence your heart, how to bring about dramatic changes in your heart and in your beliefs and in your connection with God. But in what I call the heart physics parable, which is other people call the parable the sower and the seed, one of the things that Jesus said Basically, he says, now, whatever you got, you're going to get more of it. You know, to him who has, more is given. To him who has not, even what he has is taken away. Now, this is not saying God gives it to you, and it's not saying that God takes it away from you. It's saying that based on what you've got, if you have a mind for happiness, if you have a heart for happiness, then your heart keeps giving you happiness by leading you down paths that always end in happiness. But if your heart is filled with fear, then your heart keeps bringing you into situations that cause you to fear. It keeps leading you down the paths of destruction. So whatever we've had in the past that has shaped the beliefs of our heart, at the end of the day, we keep recreating those situations in our life. You'll hear people say, well, you know, what's going on here? I've heard people say, you know, trouble comes in threes. Bad news comes in threes. In other words, people have this concept that once something bad happens, you better hunker down because more bad stuff's going to follow it. Well, you know what? There's a reason for that, and that reason is what we believe in our heart. That reason is we go back in time and recreate these negative experiences, and we turn the opportunities today that are right in front of us that could go well, we turn them into destruction. We turn them into negative experiences. Listen, I'm going to be back in a few minutes. So I'm going to show you how to get out of this mess, how to change the tide. The miraculous power of thankfulness is going to be one of those series that changes your, transforms you in your core beliefs. And listen, when you change core beliefs, then a whole lot of problems get solved at one time. Instead of going here and trying to solve this problem, that problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, you know what? You change a core belief and suddenly a lot of things in your life line up. This is a life transforming series. You want to get it.
Now listen, we want to stop reliving the destructive past. Now, you know what? There's things we can benefit from the good past. There's things we can benefit from the good things that have come into our life. But remember, most of us, by default, and if you live your life by default, then basically you're going to go the way of the flesh. You know, to have your mind set on the things of the Spirit, you're going to be making choices. You're going to have to choose what you're going to think about. As a matter of fact, always you're going to choose what you're going to think about. But if you don't make a choice about where you're going to focus your attention, if you don't make choices about your thought life, then you will always default. And what will happen is you'll find yourself thinking about things that are influenced by the feelings, the subconscious feelings that emerge from your heart. And remember, you get more of what you've got. So if your heart is filled with hurt, if your heart is filled with disappointment, if your heart is filled with sorrow, if your heart is filled with rejection, and remember, your heart causes feelings to emerge very subtly. They're not like emotions. Emotions pop up and you recognize that you had a change in your mental and emotional state. But feelings just emerge very slowly. Now what happens as feelings emerge, it's happening so subtly, you don't even recognize that you're shifting your thinking into another direction. You just find yourself kind of flowing with the direction that the river current is taking you, and it's just kind of effortlessly. And, you know, it's like a, somebody that goes fishing, and they're not anchored, and suddenly they realize that they've drifted way beyond the safety point. They're too close to the waterfall. They're about to go over the edge. Why? Because... By default, if you do nothing to choose where you're going, you're just going to go where the flow takes you. And the flow is based on what you believe in your heart, who, what you believe about you and God, what you believe about what you deserve in life, what you believe about who you are in Jesus, and you're going to get more of what you've had if you keep yielding just to the natural flow of things. So we've got the past. And out of this past, keep in mind, out of this past, we have had these repeated experiences. And out of these repeated experiences, we come to believe that we are the sum total of our life's events. And basically, we establish a sense of identity based on what our life experience has been all the way back to conception. And in fact, based on some of the physiological things that happen with cellular memory, we even pick up some things back as far as three or four generations that have been around in our family. Now, this is not generational curses. This is just beliefs and ideas and struggles that people have had that they get passed on from generation to generation, basically because of what's modeled to people and what's shown to people and what gets imprinted in people's cellular memory. So here we are down here, and man, we just don't know why we just always struggle with dread. You know, we just kind of dread the future, say. And so we just think, man, past been bad, future's going to be bad. Don't get my hopes up. Don't look for anything good to happen. Just keep your head down and just try to survive. And you know, that's the way a lot of people think or feel. And I'm not criticizing you if you think or feel that way. I'm just using that as an example. But the point is this. Most of us have some type of destructive default from our past. Now, very few people can look at the present and begin to anticipate right in this moment that good things are going to happen, that my life is changing right at this moment. So what we tend to do is we tend to push that forward to the future. And 
When we have an expectation of good things in the future, that's what the Bible calls hope. Now, hope deferred, the Bible tells us, hope that doesn't come to pass makes the heart sick. And you know what? Eventually, if you have enough disappointments, if you have enough dreams that keep falling apart, eventually you stop hoping. I got news for you. When you stop hoping, you know this, you are living one miserable, painful life. And again, I am not criticizing you. I'm not saying that you're a bad person for this. I'm just saying you're in pain, you're hurting, and life isn't really worth living. And in truth, you know, the number one candidate for suicide is a person who loses hope, who finally believes that the future is never going to be any better than what the present and the past has been. But you know, most of us still have some hope. It's not really a true biblical hope, but we have some expectation that maybe somewhere in the future, something good can happen to me. Now, if we follow the biblical directive to renew our mind and start looking at the promises of God, and see, this is the key thing. We've got to renew our mind based on who we are in Jesus. Not just decide what we're going to think. Not just try to be a positive thinker. There's nothing wrong with positive thinking, but we want positive thinking based on the Word of God. Now, the Bible says, as you've heard me say thousands of times, 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. And the verse before that says, Paul says, listen, our message to you was not yes and no. And it was like, not, yes, God's good sometimes, but no, he's bad sometimes. Yes, you're going to get the promises sometimes. But no, you're not always going to get them. He said, no, that wasn't our message. Our message was not yes and no. Our message was yes. Because all the promises that God have ever made are ours, are yes in Jesus. Now, I always kind of explain this because there's, there's always people out there that don't understand this covenant. See, God made a covenant with Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the covenant was made with him. It was not made with you. It was not made with me. And that's why it's an eternal covenant because now that he has died and overcame death, hell, and the grave, then this covenant is eternal. It can't be changed. He's already won the ultimate victory. And so in this covenant, Jesus inherits all the promises of God. And when we believe on Jesus, we are baptized into his body. So this means that because I am in him, I then become a joint heir with him in these promises. Now, if I choose to believe these promises, and I can be real honest with myself, you know, this may not be happening today, but is it mine? That's the real question. The real question, see, some people try to lie to themselves and they think that that's a confession. I am healed, I am healed. But in their mind, they're going, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not. You know, sometimes we have to start at the place where it says, healing is mine right now in Jesus. Or all my needs and desires are fulfilled in Jesus. Or the peace of God is mine in Jesus. And usually we have to start out there because otherwise, like I said, we just think we're lying. We're just, I'm just trying to convince myself of something that's not true. It was easy for me, and it's always been easy for me, when I was facing sickness, financial distress, whatever kind of destruction was in my life, it was always easy for me to acknowledge this is legally mine in Jesus. I may not have put it on yet. It may not be alive in my body, but this is mine. So I never went to a place of this isn't mine. I don't have it. It's not going to happen. So as I would focus on the fact that this was mine in the Lord Jesus, then hope would start coming alive. Now, remember, hope is always the confident expectation of something's going to happen in the future. Hope isn't saying 
I'm experiencing this today. Hope is the first step toward real faith. Hope is just saying, you know what? I, I may not be experiencing it today, but this is mine and I'm coming into it. It's mine today, but I'm going to come into it sometime in the future. You know, this is what Jesus was talking about when he taught about prayer. He said, if you pray and you believe that you have something at this present time, he said, then you shall Future tense, receive it. And that word receive means take hold of it. It doesn't mean it's just going to finally magically float down to heaven. It means you're going to get to a place. If you believe it's yours, you're going to get to a place where you can take hold of it. And that's what I want to do. I want to get you to the place where hope comes alive inside you and you can eventually take hold of that hope and move it from the future to the present. And listen, that's what I'm going to teach you in the next program we have. But first, got to get you through this process of knowing how to bring hope alive. Of course, I have one tool that you can use called the Prayer Organizer. Prayer Organizer's got 200 or so identity scriptures that are, you know, the names of God connected to the promises that we have in association with those names and the covenant that God made with Jesus, which means that they are ours. You may instead want to just go through your Bible and everywhere you see a promise, highlight it in pink. I think pink was the color I used. Every time I saw a promise of any kind, I highlighted it in pink. And every time I saw a scripture that said who we were through him, by him, with him, for him, anything that said what I had in Jesus, what I could do in Jesus, like I said, any, any promise, I highlighted it in pink. And eventually I hand wrote all of those down and this gave me the basis to start renewing my mind. Because you see, really the Bible tells us to put off the old man. Now the old man is any aspect, any idea that you have of yourself that is not in line with, that's not congruent with who you are in Jesus and what you have in Jesus. But I'm telling you, you can't totally put off the old man until you renew your mind. But you can make a choice. You can make the choice, and the choice is this. If I'm in Jesus, and I am, and you just got to make that decision. I am in Jesus. I might not feel like it. My life might not look like it. This may not be working the way it's supposed to be working in real life, but I'm in Jesus. And because I am in Jesus, I am a new creation. And the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. Now, the old isn't just who you were and how you lived before you got saved. The old is who you were, how you lived, and how you think now about you. Anything based on your life experience outside of Jesus is part of the old man. And you can make up your mind, the old is gone, I am, that person is dead, and I am finding a way, starting today, to leave that life, that person, that way of thinking, that way of experiencing life. I have decided that I am leaving this behind. I'm not taking this forward, and this is not going to be my present, and this is not going to be my future. And I may not know how all this is going to happen, but I know that the Lord is my shepherd, and he's going to lead me out of this valley of the shadow of death. He's going to lead me to green pastures. That's what those scriptures are about. I can trust and follow God out of this situation I'm in. Now, listen, I'm going to give you some really practical ways to put this part of it into operation in your life if you'll come back in just a moment. This new series, The Miraculous Power of Thankfulness, is going to walk you through every step of leaving behind any part of that life so that you don't have to drag it into the future. You want to download it or get it today, just follow the link on the screen. You know, Jesus told us to go and 
make disciples of the whole world. And disciples are people who know the truth about who God is, who see God as He really is and are able to follow the teachings of Jesus, not based on legalism or law, but on love and peace and find the wholeness of life. Every year in December, we give you a great discount on all of our materials because so many times people contact us, they want to give these materials to their friends and loved ones. You know, this is a time when you can take the book, The Gospel of Peace or Apocalypse or any of my series, even our heart physics programs, you can get at a discount. So it's a Christmas present to yourself. But this is the opportunity to give the people you love something that will transform the way they see God, which means it'll transform the way they're experiencing God. And they can start this journey of being disciples who live and follow the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and experience a life at its best. You know, when people lose hope, they actually stop doing things that are constructive. They stop doing things that will help solve the problem. They go into survival mode, and basically, if they stay there long enough, then they just seek some way to anesthetize themselves. And some people are going to do it with drugs. Some people are going to do it with alcohol. Some people are going to do it by getting on playing video games. You know, some people are going to do it by staring mindlessly at the television for hours and hours and hours. I mean, there's all of these ways that we anesthetize ourselves just because we're in so much pain. And we're just really in survival mode. And survival mode says life is not going to get any better than this. Survival mode says I'm just trying to keep my head above water. And we get afraid to hope because our hopes have been disappointed. Well, I want to tell you something. I am asking you to step out one more time and start to build hope. But this time, build hope on the Word of God, not on religion, not on what your pastor says, not even on what I say, but on the Word of God. The Bible tells us that hope is an anchor for our soul. In other words, if you want to get your emotions anchored again, if you want to get your emotions where you're not just floating aimlessly through life, you have got to get hope to come back alive. This means you're going to have to invest some time and maybe even invest a little bit of money. Like I say, you don't have to get one of our prayer organizers. You can download them and save a little bit of money on that way. Or you can do the scriptural research yourself. Most people, when they're hopeless, aren't going to do the research. They're going to need somebody else to hand it to them. And that's why I have all of these tools and resources available. And you will have to spend some time every day, and I recommend do it first thing in the morning when you first get up, you know, before you get fully awake because your mind is in that meditative state right when you get up and it's that meditative state right before you go to sleep. But you're going to have to remind yourself every day, this is mine in Jesus. Healing is mine in Jesus. Peace is mine in Jesus. And you know, you're reminding yourself, I'm not experiencing it now, but it's mine. If you'll start there, then by the time you get with me next week, we'll be ready to take the next step. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.